Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. So there, there's certain shows that we do here where they, what they, they begin at the meeting, the staff meeting, where I have this idea that I can barely articulate and I have to persuade the producers, A, that I'm not crazy, which is a daily struggle, and B, that this is a real idea. And, and the idea really did stem, I think, from, well, from a whole bunch of different things. But I'll just give you a couple of examples. So, yeah, uh, now people are talking about maybe Joe Biden running for president. If he were sworn in as the next president of the United States, as President 46, he wouldn't be 46. He'd be 78. And there's like a part of me that goes, well, that's just too old. It's just too old to be president. Um, and then there's times when you look at somebody who's doing a job and we're going to mention some specific examples where you think, well, how can you do that? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It was actually an NFL coach who I think is 30, who I was looking at and thinking, well, you, you can't do that job when you're 30. But what do I mean by that? What does that even mean? How do we arrive at those kinds of judgments? They're not written in stone anywhere. And of course, they vary so much across the spectrum of humanity. And then we thought, who could possibly be a guest on this show? Who could possibly talk about this across lots of genres. And really, there's like one person. It was like, either we get Mike Pesco or we don't do the show. So we got Mike Pesco. That was like the better <laughs> option. Um, he's the host of the Daily Podcast on Slate, The Gist. Uh, he also contributes to uh, reports and commentary to NPR and other stuff for Slate. And, and he thinks a lot about questions exactly like this one, maybe. Um, although, you know, I just on uh, Twitter, I just proposed a new feature for The, for the Gist. You probably haven't seen that yet because they just did it minutes what ago. It, what is it? It's called. It would be a running feature called "On What Pretext." Um, uh huh. And so <laughs> I'll give you my example. I just bought a box of veggie burgers, and on the side yeah. of the box of veggie burgers, there's a picture. <laughs> there's a picture of Eric Bledsoe, and he's kind of flexing his muscles and smiling. And I'm like, Eric Bledsoe, as many people don't know, is kind of a mid-level to maybe better-level NBA point guard who's. Kicked not around you, not if you watch the last couple games. Yeah, okay, but like, on what pretext is he on a veggie burger box? Okay, just take that feature and run with it. Uh, it's going to yeah. be a monstrous string of events that brought him to my veggie burger. Yeah. <laughs> now, see, you're thinking the way I'm thinking here. All right, mm-hmm. so we have to talk about this this whole idea, and and I think Mike, we have to set up some parameters. Like, we have to throw out prodigies, right? Uh, Mozart was Mozart. He was doing stuff when he was eight years old. But that's like a weird thing. We can't, that's not a question about whether his judgment and his understanding of life has fully evolved. Um, Mm -hmm. So we have to throw those people out. And we probably probably have to factor a little bit for history. Yes, Alexander the Great was conquering countries when he was 18 and was being known at that time as Alexander of voting age. Uh, but that's because you had to think, you know, you were dead when you were 35. You had to get started fast. Oh, right. before I get into Alexander legal in Kentucky, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So before I get going too deep, I also have to tell you, this will be the, probably the only time I mention it, or one of two times I mention it. We, every two weeks, do something we call Radio for the Deaf. We want a deaf audience to be able to experience radio. And so the way that we do that is that we have two fabulous 
uh, American Sign Language interpreters. Uh, Barry Sue and Heidi are here with us today. They're in the studio with me. They are interpreting everything that Mike and I say in um, American Sign Language. Mike, if it helps you, Heidi will be interpreting what you say. Uh, and uh, this is all available on Facebook Live on the Colin McEnroe Show Facebook page, both live during the show and afterwards. So there. Fantastic. Can I just take this very selfish opportunity to do two things? Yes. To plug my book that's coming out in less than a month. It is called Upon Further Review, The Greatest What-Ifs in Sports History. So that is one of the things. And the other thing is when I watch the show on Facebook, as you archive it, I will see the sign for my book, (laughs) Upon Further Review, The Greatest What-Ifs in Sports History. Yes, absolutely. And and, uh, edition two will include what if Eric Bledsoe had started eating veggie burgers sooner in his career. Uh, and I want to I contribute somehow. I want to be of some use. So let's start with this idea. We're going to talk to a gerontologist in a, in a little while. But, you know, at the heuristic level, as Nate Silver would say, we do talk about this stuff all the time. You know, Biden's 78. Is that old? Is that too old? No, he seems pretty young. I don't know. Is there any, is there any more that we can do than just sort of engage in guesswork about something like that? I think we should actually look inward and really wonder what we're saying when we're guessing. I think that we make tons of mistakes and we let a concern or a stated concern for age serve as a stand-in for something else. Um, And so this came up with uh, talk about Hillary Clinton and if she runs next time, what will her age be? And no one, to my knowledge, has pointed out she's actually younger than Mitt Romney. So Mitt Romney, just by a few months, but younger, Mitt Romney's running for Senate in Utah. And no one has said, is he really young enough? Is he really up to the job? And I think it has a lot to do with how he looks, probably something gendered about this. You know, to be honest, the fact that Hillary Clinton got famously got ill on the campaign trail. But I just think we make so many more mistakes when it comes to age for a variety of reasons. Um, And maybe it's an honest concern, oh, are they up to the job? But maybe it's just a way of saying, uh, even if we're not admitting it to ourselves, I don't like the cut of this person's jib, and I'm going to let my you know, chin-stroking about age serve as the stand-in to say this person is disqualified. And and I but I also think it has to do with jobs. Like I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is eighty three. I think I don't know. Nobody even. I mean, everybody sort of figures if you're a Supreme Court justice, you're not feeling that great that day. You, you know, you can't remember. You know, the what year whoop there it is came out, or it doesn't matter that much. You know, I mean, you can you can wait a few hours. <laughs> right, right. As long well, as you remember the boom shakalaka shakalaka shaka boom, you're fine. Yeah. To cite as precedent. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, but but if you're president, I mean, there just there isn't any day off. There isn't any minute off. Right. At any minute, you might be confronted. I mean, I don't, I don't know how I can say those words right now in the twilight zone reality we live in at this moment. But that's how we think about the presidency, right? you you got to be on, on top of your game all the time. Right. But there's no evidence that um, someone, when they hit a certain age threshold, just becomes sharp. And I understand having anxiety about it. But I just don't think that there's anyone who, uh, who said, you know, Hillary Clinton, she's really my ideal candidate. My gosh, to to have her in the office would be great, but she is a little too old. It's the people who have misgivings for another reason, and then it expresses itself 
with age. Uh, during the a couple campaigns ago, it was said of John McCain, he's this however many times at the time, three-time cancer survivor, and it's used as a cudgel to beat Sarah Palin. And he put Sarah Palin on his ticket. Well, McCain, although he's uh, battling cancer now and maybe in the end stages, he would have survived the uh, eight years of his presidency had he been elected. It was basically a way of saying we don't like Sarah Palin. So I don't know how I think that if you have concern, hypothetical concerns about age, you and, and they're warranted. You could point to mistakes that person's made that might be explained by age. And I think that you have a lot of people should have a lot of concerns about Donald Trump. There are some things about his age, I think, that uh, have manifested themselves that heighten those concerns. But basically, it's that we have a concern about Donald Trump. Right. And and well, I mean, I think in McCain's case, it's interesting that you bring him up because there's, there was sort of a moment in the 2008 campaign that we remember. I think it was right at the time when Lehman Brothers collapsed where he kind yeah. of didn't seem to know what he wanted to do. And did he want to shut down his campaign? Did he want to not debate? And Obama was going, no, no, this is like this is what it's what it's like. You know, I mean, we're going to debate because we got to figure this stuff out and we've got to do it in real time. And I think a lot of people, maybe they were, as you're suggesting, Mike, just feeding their own existing prejudices into that paradigm. But I sense some people going, wow, maybe he's like he can't react fast enough in real time to a crisis. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Maybe he was, you know, at, at the time he also famously gave the speech denying that we were uh, experiencing an economic collapse. It was one of those political things that you pounce on and that the part stood for something larger. McCain doesn't get it, whereas I just think if you look back at what he was actually saying is kind of a scripted, I believe in America and the ingenuity of Americans type talking point. I don't think I don't think that if I were to state my thesis as uh, regards presidents specifically, it's this. I don't think that age and age alone and the abstract number of age has ever been a sufficient disqualifier for anyone who's uh, seriously considering running for president. No, yeah, I think there are ways in which this whole thing kind of shifts back and tilts back and forth too. One of my uh, students pointed this out to me. I think we started as maybe a Tommy Vitor uh, comment on Pod Save America. That you know, it's a tweet. It says it's absurd that people criticize high school students talking about Parkland for talking about gun mm-hmm. control policy, but are cool with having eighty-year-olds question Mark Zuckerberg about Facebook, online privacy, and AI. And there is some truth to that. I know that you've observed this too. That it's almost a motif that the 80-year-old senator has to, you know, kind of empty himself of all expertise before asking the question. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, the preamble of, now, now I like the Facebook, and I, I've been on it twice, and, you know, my, my <laughs> wife has, or my grandma uses the iPad because it's big, you know, just to uh, establish your bona fides. This also shows up, by the way, to the two professions where you brag about your lack of technical expertise, senator and NFL coach. <laughs> NFL coach is always bragging about, I don't do email. I've never sent an email. Anyway, maybe they're similar. I don't know. They're kind of tenured for life. Um, I but but the concern with the high school kids. Let's take uh, let's take Tommy Veter's tweet uh, part by part. You know they don't have people in their adolescence do not have fully formed brains. I would not discount their opinions, but there is a biological fact 
that they don't have fully formed brains. And there may be a biological fact that when you uh, turn 80 and you veer towards what used to be called senility, you start to lose some of your faculties. But I think it's almost a little unfair in this case. It's just that technology moves so quickly. How do you blame an 80-year-old for not being up on Facebook? Yet that is the charge. I mean, our elected officials have to be up to the task. And, you know, I'll, I'll concede that. If there was a weapon system that was developed after, uh, say, a veteran, an, a senator who is a veteran, the Osprey, right, the uh, the jet that takes off like a helicopter, they wouldn't brag as much about, I don't understand these newfangled kind of weapons. They'd want to show and demonstrate their knowledge of the weapons. So there's something weird with Facebook or technology. And I do think it is kind of a shame that uh, our guardians are not up to the task of understanding new media. But I don't know, it's because of their age or simply because, you know, a function of that, that wasn't the world they grew up in. Since you're mentioning NFL coaches, I do think one of the first times I started thinking about this is when I was made aware that 30-year-old Sean McVay was taking over as head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. Now, at one level, Mike, I don't care who coaches the Los Angeles Rams. It's not high on my (laughs) Maslowian hierarchy of needs that somebody really competent and well-developed mentally coaches the Los Angeles Rams. I, you know, I just don't care. Um, but on the other hand, I thought, I don't know. There's some way in which 30 years old doesn't map well onto my understanding of what being an NFL coach was. Once again, at this very sort of unscientific level, I feel like he's too young. Yeah. Vince Lombardi, he is not. But it is also weird. I don't know. Maybe NFL coach should be something that we can reconsider, especially as it veers away towards being a leader of men. And also you're kind of a a CEO and just veers towards being maybe a relator of people in the workplace and an architect of excellent offenses. I mean, there, there are clearly parts of the job that being young and spry and able to stay in the office uh, for 24 hours a day, where, where you know youth or at least vigor would help you. I totally get that. But then there is also the NFL coach as figurehead, and what does that mean? And I understand, like, when you said it doesn't map on, I get that. I totally get that. But maybe we have to uh, reconsider that. And another thing, I think this is related. Sometimes we say, so with Mark Zuckerberg, there was a lot of talk about, you know, how how young he is and how young he looks. And um, a columnist maybe, uh, I forget exactly who it was, but a columnist pointed out, we have got to stop infantilizing Zuckerberg. The man is, how old is he, 32, 33? Well, at the same time, in the same paper that that column ran, there are constant critiques of Jared Kushner being only, what is it, 32 or 33. And they're both two of the most popular men in the world, a popular, two of the most powerful men in the world, two of the least popular men. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> one, and they, and one the age is, um, one the age is a cudgel, the other the age is an asset. Right. I think you pointed out, uh, I think, first of all, that you watch Morning Joe more carefully than I do. Uh, that This is something Mika Brzezinski brings up a lot about Jared Always. Kushner. Yeah. Yeah. He's 37, she's, by the He's way. 37, by the way. Yeah. Um, but, like, so, uh, first of all, Sir Francis Drake circumnavigated the globe when he was 37. Uh, and so, uh, which is harder than being Jared Kushner, even if Jared mm-hmm. Kushner did the things that he's supposed to do, which, because he's too young and too compromised in, in five or six other ways to do them, he doesn't do, which is good because he wouldn't be any good at them. Does that make any sense? 
<laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I don't know. I think that maybe 37, maybe 37 is the age that you're you're oh, that's maybe the perfect age that you should never be criticized for being too young but no one could say you're too old even an NFL quarterback at 37 is only getting up there in age especially with Tom Brady being best in class at age 40 so yeah maybe I think we've decided you and I right here that except for I don't know Miss America 37 is the ideal age to achieve just about anything in our society without someone reasonably criticizing you for being too young or too old. I feel, I think, feel that decision advantages you more than it does me somehow but um, <laughs> um, well you know go back to football uh, what is um, you, you sort of think about well what's football like what do we compare football to we always compare it to war that somebody you know who's an NFL football coach is kind of like a general in terms of organizing people and maximizing their uh, ability to do violence to one another, which makes me think of a 19-year-old general who's back in the culture a lot. I'm taking this horse by the reins, making red coats, weather with blood stains. And I'm never going to stop until I make a drop of random up and scatter the remains down. Watch me engaging them, escaping them, and raging them out. I go to France for more fun. I come back with more guns. I mean, first of all, I just did that so the poor ASL interpreters would have to try to keep up with that. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I mean, you know, you you think back. I mean, everybody, you know, we're all about Hamilton these days. I think he was 22 when he became the age of George Washington. I mean, a lot of the people who did uh, overthrow the British were like really, really young people. Yeah. Uh, but you know, every everyone except for Ben Franklin was younger then, weren't they? Well, Ben I mean, Franklin, average yeah. age. Yeah, Ben Franklin is <laughs> it both ways, right? He did amazing things when he was twenty five, and he also did amazing things when he was seventy. I think he's the oldest signer, um, and, and so seventy years old, uh, he does that. But twenty five years old, or I don't know, he like invented the post office then, or so. Like, so he's one of these guys. He really is. He sort of keeps it going the whole time. Um, yeah. And and I don't I don't know exactly off the top of my head average uh, lifespan during the colonial era, but it was really young. But right. if you look at how long our presidents, especially our first ten presidents, lived for, they greatly exceeded that. They were you know they were probably in the top one or two percentiles of uh, lifespan. Right, and they didn't even have secret service agents to give them the Heimlich maneuver and. Uh, you know, do stuff to keep them alive. Um, so l- let me ask you one more thing as we're in this, because th- th- there's this other area. Okay, there's this quote that I'm absolutely sure that I, I know from somewhere, but I was not able uh, using the internet today to prove that it exists. But well, I do know that Francoise Sagan, uh, at the age of 18, published the novel Bonjour Tristesse. And I swear I watched her like maybe be interviewed by Dick Cavett or somebody. And she said, mm-hmm. by the time a person is 14 years old, they have enough life experience to write a novel. And I, and I was a pretty young person when I was watching that, and I didn't have enough life experience. I was like, <laughs> In my 20s, and I still didn't have enough life experience to, to write a novel. And I, th- but I thought, I wonder what that means exactly. Because a novel and, and other things like that, creative contributions to the humanities, they need to well up from some place. I mean, who knows what Mozart's doing when he's eight years old? But a novel is a pulling together of ideas and sensibilities and stories which are understood in a very specific way. Um, and yet, you know, it's, she's not that isolated. I mean, occasionally there are, there are works written by people who are incredibly young that somehow or other are novels or plays that speak to us. Right, but are, well, I wonder what the novel written by the youngest person 
that has still sustained through time. I mean, even as we think of um, Harper Lee being a young woman who wrote the novel, she wasn't that young, you know, mm-hmm. and and we find out about her earlier drafts, and she did indeed have to go through all those life experiences to get that one exquisite novel right. But maybe a novel is different. I'm not even going to make the glib joke about, yeah, these days you, you, at 14 you definitely have enough life experiences to uh, to text or to uh, put out a Snapchat. <laughs> Luckily, I'm not going to make You're not that, do that, that no. glib joke. You wouldn't go No. There. But maybe a novel, okay, in a couple ways, a novel is unique, but I think in as a culture we've moved past it as the ultimate expression and now that it, we're in more of a visual time, would it seem so crazy to say that, you know, at 14 we have the experience, I don't know about the actual skill, but probably that's true, to create a movie that's really gripping and says something? I don't think that's too weird at all. And, you know, especially when I listen to like a WNYC radio rookies, um, a lot of those, sure, they're helped by a professional, but are really polished. And at their best, you never say, well, that person's too young to have told a story and held my attention. So I think there's something to be said, but I think the fact that like she's talking about the form of the novel specifically has makes it seem more bizarre than it really is. Take away novel, just think a full expression of of intellect and of of insight that is expressed in a great way that affects you as the listener or viewer. I would think that a 14-year-old could do that. I think it's also sort of cheating being French. I mean, they should have like a map legend <laughs> or something, a map legend that says, you know, one year equals 1.34 years or something like that for uh yeah. cuz you you're just going to more stuff is going to happen to you uh, if you're I, French. I remember Similarly, I remember when I was in college and I first met people who grew up in New York City and I said to myself, there's got to be a multiplier. I mean, maybe for Manhattan it's times two, but then by cross street divided by 10. Like I knew there had to be a multiplier because I met these 18-year-olds. I'm like, how are you 36 already? (laughs) All right. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Mike and I, of course, uh, are self-appointed experts on pretty much everything, but we're actually going to talk to a gerontologist too just to make sure we're right. Cause I'ma go tell him, hey, I ain't too old for this Girl, what you talking about? I ain't too old for this That's right. We're back with our Too Young, Too Old uh, show. Joining me is my friend Mike Pesca, host of the Slate Daily podcast, The Gist. Uh, ask about their upcoming running running feature on what pretext. Uh, it'll be debuting soon. What's the name of the book, the new book, the book that's almost out? Oh, it is... It is upon further review, the greatest what-ifs in sports history. Do I appear in the book in any way? Is it dedicated to me? Am I acknowledged? No, I can already try from your silence. I'm trying to remember. I mean, (laughs) it is imbued with your spirit for sure. Certainly it would not exist were it not for me. But um, the – uh, if you're reading the book and George Blanda is mentioned, uh, that's me, actually. That's probably uh, so. <laughs> Just the um, kicking part the kick, of George kick, Blanda's yeah, life. Yeah, I play the kicking yeah. part. The throwing part is played by somebody else. Um, so anyway, that's not, it's not out yet, but when it's out, you're going to come back. We're going to talk about these things. Uh, joining us right now is Dr. George Kukul, uh, director of the Yukon Center on Aging. I haven't put him up on the board yet. That would be extremely helpful if we want to talk to him. Uh, first of all, welcome to the show. 
Yes, thank you for having me. Second of all, did I pronounce your name correctly? Kishel, uh, hi. Kishel, Kishel, ah, much better. Um, or at least I was very wrong. Um, no, all right, no so uh, so I guess I'm going to start. We should say that, uh, so Dr. George Kishel, director of the Yukon Center uh, on Aging, I guess the first question that Mike and I have uh, jointly is, well, I mean, do you become old at a certain age? So there's no magical cutoff. You know, we, we, we tend to think that, historically that when you turn 65 uh, you, you get your gold watch and you retire and all of a sudden you're you're old and uh, it, it doesn't happen that way obviously i think it's a first of all aging is is, is something that's inevitable but it happens kind of along along a continuum we like to think of it as a lifespan process and one of the things that that's that that's very important to to realize in addition to being inevitable is that it it varies greatly uh, between us some of us age a little more fast and some of us a little more slowly so uh, it, it and it also depends how you define aging right well uh, yeah maybe we need to do that but um but uh, Dr. Cushell, there is this number 65 that just comes up a lot, right? right. Where do we get that from? That actually historically goes, goes to 19th century Germany, to uh, Kaiser Bismarck, who uh, this, and Bismarck, Bismarck decided to, uh, to uh, trim the, uh, the, the, the overbloated uh, bureaucracy in Germany and arbitrarily decided to, 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 to say that 65 would be the cutoff. So there's, there's really no... There's no biological, clinical, or other reason why it should be 65 and not some other number. And, and uh, in terms of the ability to perform one's job, it really depends on the individual and, and on the job. Mike, do you have uh, questions for our uh, gerontologist and questions unrelated to your own personal health and well-being? I do. One question. I just thought of something. I mean, the arbitrariness of 65. What if everything else in the world were the same, but it took 400 days, let's say, for the Earth to circle the sun? Therefore, everyone's life were a good whatever, 8% longer. I just wonder. That's that's my what if. But I just wonder, would we actually have a different age? We would probably say, oh, yeah, 65 is the cutoff. And even though that version of a 65-year-old would actually be a you know 71-year-old, maybe, I don't think things would change. Anyway, that's my... Uh, that's that's my supposition. Here's my question. Is it true? So when we talk of Joe Biden, we talk of Hillary Clinton. These are people who are the age they are, and yet they're also incredibly intellectually engaged and active and always thinking. Does that, just keeping at it, does that retard the mental aging process? No, it, it, it really depends, again, which aspect of the mental process you're talking about and, and who you're talking about. There's a, lot, there's a lot of variability, obviously, between individuals, and the, the two people who you've talked about have, have done extremely well. Um, in, in general, if we're talking about normal aging, uh, two major things happen to to our ability to, to, to use our brains. Uh, one is that, um, put very crudely, the amount of information that we that we've accumulated during our lifetime has grown tremendously, and that kind of gets to the idea of of, of greater wisdom as as we get older. Uh, you can think of it as more filing cabinets with information. What what typically slows even in normal aging is the ability to to retrieve that information to, to find the right file in those in those filing cabinets. That takes that takes longer. Um, you know, I also feel as though um, this whole thing. 
our whole set of attitudes obviously has changed a, a lot. And it would be interesting to know, I, I, I don't know why this show is so French. We've already had Francois Sagan and Lafayette. But um, in 1958, uh, de Gaulle is um, taking over uh, as leader of France, of forming the Fifth Republic. And uh, journalists are asking whether he's going to violate civil liberties. And de Gaulle uh, retorts, have I ever done that? Quite the opposite. I have reestablished them when they had disappeared. Who honestly believes that at age 67, I would start a career as a dictator? Um, so he thinks that 67 is too young, too old to become a dictator. But, but beyond that, 67 was kind of old then. I mean, in a way that it isn't now, uh, Dr. Cushel, it seems to me right. that, that people would talk about, wow, he's 67. Could he run France? I mean, you'd never say that now. But I mean, uh, how much can this change be real and biological as opposed to just attitudinal? Well, we don't know what what the limits are. I mean, we think that 120 is is kind of the at at for the for the time being is is the maximal human lifespan in terms of cases of people having lived uh, achieved that length. But what we're seeing is a tremendous push, as you said. You know the you know the 50 is the is the new 30, 70 is the new 50, and and. Just a tremendous, uh, tremendous aging around the world. I mean, I don't know. If, uh, one striking fact is that in the year 2020, which is what two, three years away, for the first time there were more people on the planet Earth over the age of, over the age of 65 than under the age of five, which is, which is a staggering uh, consideration when you think about it. So, so I, you're absolutely right. I think what was we were thinking of back with the Gaulle in in, in the 1960s, uh, 67 seemed very old. And, and, and today, people, many people are really just beginning to hit their prime. See, now, but see, now, Mike, now I'm confused. I, I think I may have not entirely understood what that particular expression means, because it seems to me like, okay, I'm 63 right now. And I hear people say, well, you know, 60 is the new 40. Well, I, I guess I didn't mean real. I sort of thought that meant, well, I can be really cool and acute and cute too and like you know but maybe the way I'm listening to Dr. Cushel Mike and I'm thinking no that just means you're not going to die as soon as you used to die when you were 63 I don't know how do you process Mike statements like that something is the new something I think that part of it is that 40 a 40 year old what a 40 year old meant to us culturally and what that 40 year old did has been pushed back so now someone who's for however old brad pitt is he is probably younger than ward cleaver was <laughs> on leave it i mean I'm, I'm, i bet he's a decade i bet pitt's a decade older i'll look that up but um yes it just means um our actual perceptions but what about reality i know that it is true that we physically and mentally um, mature earlier. So girls hit, have their uh, first period earlier than they did decades ago. And also toys that used to be marketed for 10-year-olds are now marketed for 8-year-olds. Everything you know the young, younger kids would want uh, at an earlier age. But what about the opposite? Is there any empirical evidence that this average process of a 70-year-old in the year 2018 is similar to that of a, what a 60-year-old was in the year, whatever, 1978. Well, we are seeing, uh, you know, the, the big concern with all of this, you don't want people just to live longer, obviously. This is why there's such a big emphasis right. now on we want to, what we want to do is we want to add life to, we want to add life to years rather than adding years to life. We want people not just to live longer, but to live with, 
with continued health and, and, and vigor and independence. And, and there is some evidence that we're actually, particularly among people who age well, people who could take good care of themselves, who don't have other diseases, people who often are, you know, marathon runners, for example, or uh, and, and such, that their physiology in 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 their 70s resembles that what you would typically see in somebody in their 60s or 50s. And 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 of course, the converse is also true. We do see people who who chronologically, when we say chronologically. It, in terms of how many, how old they are, in terms of the number of years since their birthday, uh, who chronologically may be in their 50s, but whose bodies uh, are, are much older. Um, so, but so, so again, it, it's hard to generalize because we're seeing these varying trends in individuals, and and uh, but in many people, what we're seeing in people who who have managed to age well, we're seeing that they are pushing that that aging clock back, if you will. So, so I think that 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 combined with lots of other research that's ongoing to try to expand the health span to allow people to live longer uh, independently in a healthy fashion is 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 very you know very positive and and sets raises the possibility of of doing yet more in the future right so if you're going to have your first period uh, earlier you want to have your first stroke later um or preferably know. have it the, the day you die. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, but so, I mean, that that makes sense to me, too. So, I don't know, if we were just to have a takeaway from this, it sounds like you're agreeing with what Mike said in the first segment, which is there's no particular reason to look at Joe Biden and say, well, he's 78. He looks very vital and, and has more energy than I do, and he certainly isn't whiffing on, you know, easy questions and stuff like that, and he can cut his own meat. Uh, so, uh, there's no real reason to say, well, he's 78, maybe he shouldn't be president. You as a gerontologist, not as a political scientist, but as a gerontologist would say, what? What would you say? Well, I would say that, that I would like to have him, I would like to have to know what his, what his, what his physical exam was and, and uh, what his health is. I mean, obviously it's hard to, it, you can, you can get, glean some information from how, how fast a person walks that tells you something and how they speak and all that. But you, you would really, uh, this gets at the whole issue of, of health, health of our political leaders. And I think that it would be important to, 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 to know what the health status of a person like that is. Uh, but I should also say that there's there's a lot of evidence now among people who age very well. For example, if you take centenarians, people who who who, who age well and healthy into their 80s, 90s, and beyond, that that these people actually have have a lot less disease than people who are in some cases decades younger. So there's just something different about those people. As as for the the ability to judge, to, as as for being able to judge whether an individual of a certain age can fly a commercial plane or or drive a bus or be the president of the United States, um, that's obviously a far more complex decision where you have to look at many, many issues. But the point is, the bottom line is that age alone uh, is, is, not, is, is not something that should exclude a person. All right. We're, we're going to end there because we have got some other ground we need to cover. I want to um, uh, thank you, George Cashel. Mike Pesca, I feel as though one of the things that he makes me worry about, I now worry that I'll live to be 100 and no one will be impressed, right? That I'll be in my facility <laughs> and I'll go, I'm 107. And people will go, yeah, so what? There's like 50 guys here who are 100 or older, you know? Yeah. 
And we'd have to change the lyrics to Young and Heart. You know, if you survive to 105, look at all you're derived from being alive. Yes. Not and, much. Yeah. Same as the next guy. Actually, in my case, the, the song Born Too, Na- Too Late for You to Notice Me, that refers to my eyesight at this point. You know, I, like, I just can't even see people. All right, we're going to take a little break. Thanks to Mike Pesco. We can't wait to have him back uh, when the new book comes out. But meanwhile, uh, get ready for the gist. It's on five days a week. Don't miss it. Uh, we, will, we will be back with more to say about this. All right. Um, I have to thank a whole bunch of people here. Uh, as I said, we're doing radio for the deaf today. That means that we have wonderful signers uh, in here, not signers, they're interpreters. They interpret uh, the show into uh, American Sign Language, which uh, a deaf audience can then experience uh, on our Facebook page, uh, on the Colin McEnroe Show Facebook page. It's up there on, uh, on our show page in ASL. Mary Sue Owens, who always does my voice. Poor Mary Sue. Um, Heidi Catalan is with us. Tucker Ives, uh, Carlos Mejia, uh, Betsy Kaplan, and Kion Wolf all helped out to make that happen. Kion Wolf's on the board today. Betsy Kaplan is the person who produced this show. Is Julius in there? Yeah, Julius is in there working the phones. He's our great intern. Uh, I'm sure there's other people I'm forgetting to thank. Uh, the part of Bill, Bill Curry was played by Shirley Temple. Tomorrow on The Nose, we are going to be talking <laughs> – about Lost in Space, the reboot, why it's gotten so noisy in restaurants, uh, and a bunch of other things. All right, so uh, here in the final segment, we've got two guests for you. We're still talking about that whole, whole too young, too old. I thought it would be interesting to talk to a recruiter, headhunter, that kind of person. Uh, Melissa Mangillo uh, joins us, founder and president of the McIntyre Group. Uh, welcome to our conversation, Melissa. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, um, you know, age is not really supposed to be much of a factor in terms of employment and hiring, but, you know, perception is important. And so, I mean, how much, it, how much of a role does, play, uh, does age play? Are there people who are 50 who, like, don't want to go to a tech firm where everybody else will be 25? I mean, do those things come up? Um, I, I would say yes. Uh, there are certainly um, factors in deciding what company is a fit for a person, um, where culture and, and um, the types of other people within a company um, determine whether a person is a fit for a certain corporation. Um, there are certain companies where someone later on in their career um, perhaps wouldn't fit in very well or feel very comfortable because most of the um, employee population is of a younger generation. Um, that certainly happens. Um, but uh, I guess also... I mean, the other way to look at this, when I arrived here at this public radio station, I was leaving a, a commercial radio station where everybody was kind of my age or older. When I got here, I was, really was the oldest person by, I don't know, 17, 18, 19 years maybe, something like that. And it was terrific for me. Um, you know, I, I, I got, I mean, I felt old, <laughs> but, but I got a lot of stimulation and I learned a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, I, and I was, uh, and so I don't know, when we think about the work environment, I think it's really easy to use phrases like, too old for that job or too young for that job. I'm wondering how actually meaningful they are. Well, I I think, you know, generally we speak in huge generalizations around things like that. That's just uh, common uh, in in every aspect of life. Um, You know, we speak about the older generation and saying, you know, they're inflexible. Um, They'll be difficult to train. Um, We can speak in those terms around millennials as well. Certainly there's um, negative connotations around that. 
uh, group of people. Um, but just like any generalization, um, there are the exceptions. Um, and it takes um, either a good recruiter um, to find the exception, um, and it also takes a lot of work on the candidate's part or the, the job seeker's part to differentiate themselves from that generalization. Um, and as recruiters, we coach people um, in how to do that best, um, especially on interviews. Um, you're at a point, I assume, also, or business and society are at a point where sometimes you have to advise uh, somebody who's president of a company but is a real young tech person. Uh, that person's ideas about who can do what and what, in what ways age uh, are important can be probably a little bit tinctured by the fact that he himself is 26 or something. I, I would imagine so. And, and, you know, in work and in life, uh, you know, to your point before, um, you have to seek out what you can learn from everyone and anyone. So to your point about being the, the older person in, in the crowd back when you started, um, I would imagine plenty of people had uh, the advantage of learning from you with all of your experience, and I would imagine you also learned from the younger population um, a, a few things. Um, you know, here at McIntyre, we tend to have a, a, a grand range of, of employees in terms of um, years of experience um, and years in the industry for sure. And, you know, we're always learning from one another. Um, and that's one of the, the key advantages of having such a diverse population. Yeah. I'm not sure how it works here. I think the minute I'm out of the room, they say, did he just tell another <laughs> Ella Grasso story? My God. Anyway, um, uh, thanks so much, Melissa Mangillo from uh, McIntyre. Uh, great to talk to you. Uh, I, I'm switching gears swiftly because I want to make sure we have plenty of time to, to talk to both of our guests here in this segment. Our other guest is Oscar Sykes, a uh, student at Middlebury College who is suing the Florida governor and agricultural commissioner. He's a climate change activist. Uh, he does these rather dramatic walks. Uh, and he's here to tell us more about what it's like to be uh, a young person trying to make a difference. Oscar, can you hear me on Skype? Oh, yeah. Hi. Th thanks so much for having me on the show. So how old are you right now? So I'm 20 years old. So I'm actually the oldest of the plaintiffs um, in this current lawsuit. The youngest is actually just 10 years old. Wow. How And how old have you been doing this kind of thing? Um, you know, it's funny. I remember I was eight years old and I went once I got really worried about climate change. I read about it. And I went on the radio with some friends to talk about climate change. And then, you know, since then, I've just, I've seen a lot of it, right? And so I think that, you know, just seeing it happening in a lot of the places I cared about was what eventually motivated me. You know, I, I think, you know, in high school, you know, I started an environmental club and started, and, you know, starting to speak up in my community about different environmental issues. And then, you know, and then, you know, after, and then since, since then, just, you know, trying to think about ways that I can, you know, bring, bring young people's voices um, to the discussion, I guess. Well, there's something about Florida, apparently, because there's uh, you and the stuff that you're doing, and now there's Parkland, too. Um, as you watch those activists and see the way that they are greeted by the world, I mean, on the one hand, they're greeted quite enthusiastically by many of us. They've injected a lot of passion uh, into a debate that seemed like it had kind of seized up or locked up uh, with both sides just battening down their hatches. Somehow there's something about the passion of these young people that you can't ignore. But there's also, it's possible to find people who are dismissing them, people who are kind of um, writing them off uh, as knowing less than they need to know. Is that what the clip that we have is about? Is that the Jack Kingston clip? Let's play that clip. Let's play that clip. It's hard not to be inspired by these kids, but some people have managed to do it. Like former Georgia congressman and greasy bag full of cash, Jack Kingston. <laughs> 
Kingston appeared on CNN yesterday to call out these traumatized students and call them frauds. Do we really think that, and, and I say this sincerely, do we really think 17-year-olds on their own are going to plan a nationwide rally? I, I would say to you very plainly that uh, organized groups that are out there, like mm -hmm. George Soros, are always ready to take the charge, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like instant rally, instant protest. Yeah. Jack, teenagers are pretty good at planning big gatherings by themselves. <laughs> So Oscar Sykes, a student at Middlebury College and member of the Earth Echo Leadership Council, uh, now is the time for you to confess that you are simply a mindless uh, robot being programmed by older people like George Soros, uh, if that in fact is the case. Well, yeah, it, it was. Um, that was well. That was what Governor Scott, our governor, said right right after we within an hour after we, basically, I think we, we released a case. I was actually impressed by how. Um, how quickly he responded to it. And he he said basically, oh, this is just a piece of political theater um, organized by a group in Eugene, Oregon. And I, then we've been, and since then, um, we've been asked the question a lot, you know, who's setting you up to do this? And I think it, it really shows how I think young people really are, you know, dismissed from the conversation that we're just seen as, you know, at best we're political pawns. And and then when, and when, and when you, and when you talk to kids in this case who, you know, oftentimes young kids who are so passionate about this issue already, and they, you know, they've already seen this happening, and that's really what's driving them to be speaking up about it. And of course, you know, the Parkland students who had, I mean, they such a had to deal with such an awful tragedy, and then, and when and when they're motivated to speak after that, you know, their their voices are sometimes dis dismissed as well. Yeah, it really makes you think about: Are we giving young people? You know, are, are, do we have ways in our society to have? young people's you know voices out there because so many of the issues we have are re really seem like they're just young people are, are going to have to pay the biggest price in their lifetimes like you know with climate change in florida when you look at how a lot of florida will be underwater within our lifetimes and so i think young people have this role to play in speaking up for those you know the concerns of the future um you know be, and and that's and that's uh it's it's really it's really interesting to see how that that might play out in the future. I guess is there any part of you that I mean another way that we think about youth is youth is a time to have a lot of fun and be kind of carefree and um, sow your wild oats and have lots of parties and uh, watch sunsets with your friends and I'm not saying you're not doing any of that but on the other hand if you're heavily involved in a lawsuit against the governor of Florida. Um, I don't know. Do you feel like there's there's some way in which because you've done this at such a young age, you might be losing losing out or missing out on other things? Yeah, it's funny. I've been thinking about that the past. You know, I think you know the past. Um, I would say three weeks have really just been sort of a really not yeah not not much of that kind of fun stuff that I might normally have the chance to do. But I think that you know there is. Uh, I guess the overall idea of, you know, you, you can always do a little bit of activism for the same time, but like the overall idea of, you know, just, just having fun during college is something that I can understand why other people might want to do it. But for me, it's, you know, if you're in this space in history where, you know, you look at the climate crisis and how it's getting worse so actively and you have this platform to speak, you know, and, and you're young and, and, and you're there, I think that there's a, you know, sort of a responsibility with everything I've been lucky to have and, you know, everything somebody was, you know, to, to really to really get involved and um and and that and and just it, it it's it's a, it's such a crucial time i think because you know one thing about climate change is um you know physics doesn't wait 
you know, until you get older and you want to decide to do it. You know, the, the physics of, you know, carbon accreted atmosphere is, um, hap you know, is definitely happening right now as well. And, but that is a really interesting, um, a really interesting tension. And yeah, I hope, hopefully I still have some time for it to do fun stuff too. Right. Well, well I'll, I'll just, I'll do a test and we'll see how much of your youth you're missing. Um, who is Drake? <laughs> um, that he, he, um, he actually was just in my. He just did that video in Miami. I was just thinking about him. Um, although I can't, I, I although it shows how ignorant I am that I forget what it, what it's called. No, but that, yeah, that doesn't show how ignorant you are, actually. But um, no, I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure that you know you're kind of you're a little bit tuned into your culture and popular music. But <laughs> but I, but I also in I don't want to fall into that trap too, which is the trap is of course minimizing you and saying that sort of that's who you are. When, when there are these kind of Jack Kingston types who just say, you know, these are kids, they can't possibly have thought through a lawsuit. I mean, do you have like a, an easy 60 second response you can give to that kind of person? That, you know, that, how, how crazy is it in our world today that, you know, for a 10 year old kid, you know, like, you know, for example, um, for Levi, who's, who's a club plaintiff in this case, who lives on the beach of, you know, who's, who's on, his family lives on the coast of East Florida, you know, that basic childhood joy of running around the beach in this, you know, like in the, in the, this home that he loves is, you know, or, or even like is, is he's actively seeing this environment get seriously affected by climate change. He's seen, he's seen sea level rise that flooded his whole yard and shut down his school permanently. He can't go out and play in the ocean because all these algae blooms have gotten a lot worse from climate change. So even just being a kid and having those fun experiences is under threat. And, and then, so you know, young people are just, seeing that what's going to be there in our future is floor is florida literally going to physically be there you know like you know from sea level rise or and 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 it sounds melodramatic but when you think about how much we've already seen from climate change with the little that's or not the little but the smaller amount that's secured compared to the how much more is going to happen in the future young people are in this strange place where you know climate change in some ways robs that sort of carefree of you know that carefree mm -hmm. spirit of youth because it, it it's it's such a overwhelming issue and i think yeah to say that young people are just political props is when when we have this when when we're you know forced into speak you know speaking up i would prefer not to be an activist you know, maybe i prefer to be spending more time out in the woods or something exactly but because of this we you know we have to speak and 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 i think our generation i think it's just the beginning of you know i think our generation really getting a lot a lot more involved you know to hold our leaders accountable just for those you know basic rights and, well, and so i was going to say good for you first of all and i i hope that you achieve so many of the goals that you want to that this becomes less of a pressing concern and you can grow old and then you can tell kids and uh, they don't know what they're talking about <laughs> they don't even have any good music like drake how are you going to be an activist the way I was when I was your age? Uh, I hope it all works out, uh, but thank you for what you're doing for the planet right now. Thanks to everybody else, else who helped out on this show, too. Uh, and we will be back tomorrow with The Nose.